Welcome to the Alberta Forage Industry Network Sustainable Forage Web Series. We're glad you can join us and we hope you enjoy this next episode. Join us for a chat with the Resilient Agriculture Landscape Program, Ralph. This webinar is presented by Giselle Ulrich on Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. We hope you will enjoy. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the AFIN Sustainable Forage Series, Resilient Agriculture Landscape Program, Ralph. Um, my name is Edward Shaw, and I, I'm the Vice Chair of AFIN, and I'm going to be chairing this meeting tonight. Just thought I'd let you know that uh, we thank you for participating in this busy season. We're getting close to seeding, and everybody's kind of very busy and got other things to do. So thank you for your time tonight. Um, just want to give you a little bit of a breakdown of what AFIN is, the Alberta Forage Industry Network, is a, an association that represents a, has a forage focus. And uh, we like to spell out the benefits of forages for soil health, climate, uh, uh, carbon capture, good uh, disease control. And it's, uh, it's a crop that's least acknowledged in, in all of our crops, even though we got more acres of forage in, in, in Canada than we have any other crops. Um, with us tonight, we've got Amanda, who is going to be the uh, person that is controlling the system. Uh, we've got uh, Grant Lastuka, who is going to uh, be the moderator of tonight. And uh, so I just wish to introduce first of you uh, to Grant, and I'll let Grant take it away. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Grant Lasuka, and I'm a director on the Alberta Forage Industry Network. And as Ed has shared, this is part of our series that we're starting and dealing with sustainable forages. And in so doing, we started with this session with more to come and those other sessions in a quarterly manner or such, hopefully are gonna spotlight different things. Particularly, we like to share more of the research that's being done in forages currently. And uh, some of the opportunities that some of that work has done has created this opportunity that Giselle is going to be talking about today. And certainly that the benefits of forages are many as Ed shared. And I'm going to let Giselle focus on a program. And that one program is the RELP program that is part of sustainable Canadian agriculture programs. So there's several of them. But um, Giselle is going to be sharing tonight on the Resilient Agriculture Landscape Program in the way in which you can understand. Uh, and in so doing, we're going to, if you have questions, put them in the chat and we'll be prepared to answer them after the session. So the chat is going to be a means of getting your questions in. And after the chat and the session is through, there'll also be opportunities for unmuting and Amanda will handle that and allowing you in so that you can directly ask questions outright of Giselle um, in a nice manner, by the way. And we'll try to manage it uh, so that everybody gets a chance to ask questions if they have them. So with that in mind, I'm going to pass it over to Giselle and let her introduce herself and start sharing uh, about the Resilient Agriculture Landscape Program, RELP. Giselle, please. Thanks, Grant. 
Uh, so hi everyone, I'm Giselle Ulrich. I'm a grant program specialist with Alberta Agriculture, and I support the RELP program as well as the farm technology and efficient grain handling programs. So I'm going to go over RELP tonight. Um, I guess a bit of background about myself, maybe. I grew up on a mixed farm in central Saskatchewan, and I moved up to Alberta after I completed a Bachelor of Science degree in agronomy. And I worked for 11 years in the certified seed industry before moving into my current role uh, in July of last year. So there's gonna be a lot of information in my presentation today. I expect a lot of questions, I'm happy to answer them. And if I don't know the answers, I will take notes and I will get answers to you after this meeting. So I'm gonna turn my video off so I can share my screen. Okay, so as Grant mentioned, we're going to talk about the Resilient Agricultural Landscape Program tonight. I'm going to go over the objectives of the new program, the dates that applications will be accepted, eligibility requirements, funding available, how we determine the amount of funding provided, go over the funding categories and their associated BNP activities, I have a few slides talking about things to keep in mind for applications. I'll talk about stacking with other programs, and then I'll provide the program resources at the end as well. So RELP is a brand new program being offered under the Sustainable CAP framework. And the objective of the program is to increase environmental resiliency of agricultural landscapes by accelerating the adoption of beneficial management practices that maximize ecological goods and services. So that means natural benefits like carbon sequestration, improved water quality, and biodiversity enhancement. Funding throughout is offered through a per acre payment over a three-year term, and that's to provide better support for long-term establishment of the BMPs. Note that carbon sequestered under RELP will be ineligible for carbon credits and greenhouse gas offsets for the duration of the three-year land use agreement of RELP projects. So important dates for RELP, there are two different intake cycle schedules. That is because wetlands, which is a BMP offered under RELP, has its own schedule. So I'll talk about that one first. So applications open on April 3rd, 2023, and they will close for wetlands on January 31st, 2024. And then for the next two years after, they will open on February 1st and close January 31st of the following year. And wetland projects will be retroactive to the start date of the current intake year. So the year that you apply for RELP, you will be retroactive to the start date of that year. Now for all other BMPs under RELP, uh, applications also opened this year on April 3rd. They will close on November 30th of 2023. And then next year, they will open on February 1st and close November 30th 
and same for the year after. Applications are also retroactive for these other BMPs to the start of their current intake year. You will note that for most BMPs in the intake cycle schedule, December and January are not part of the intake period, and we will not accept applications during those two months. You also cannot apply for a project that you plan to implement the following year. So if you apply in 2023, you will need to implement your BMP activities by November 30th of 2023. So I'll talk about eligibility requirements next. So first we have applicant type. So first we have primary producers responsible for the day-to-day -day management and input costs of an agricultural operation. And that could be an annual crop, bee or livestock operation in Alberta that produces at least $25,000 worth of farm commodities annually. It is also open to groups such as grazing reserve associations, or community pastures, as well as indigenous applicants. And for those applicants, that is for both an individual or an organization that manages agricultural land. The second requirement for RELP is an environmental farm plan. So an applicant must have a current EFP certificate or letter of completion or be in a position to receive one before the end of the project term. Remember that project terms are three years. So if you don't have an EFP when you apply, that's okay. You will have three years to complete one before the end of your three-year term. Any applications that say they have a current EFP, the EFP must have been completed within 10 years from the date we received your application or it will not be considered valid. That's because EFPs expire after 10 years. And if you do need to get started on an EFP for your operation, you can visit www.albertaefp.com. Moving into funding now. So again, projects are for a three-year term. The funding maximums are $150,000 for active primary producers and $300,000 for indigenous applicants and group applicants, so those grazing reserve associations and community pastures. The minimum payment under the program is $2,000 and funding is paid in two payments. So 50% of the total funding amount will be paid following application approval and the remaining 50% is paid at the end of the three-year project term. I'm going to talk about the calculation used to determine the funding amount now. So we calculate a per acre fee, and it is based on three things. So it is based on the implementation costs, plus opportunity costs, if that is applicable, plus an impact adjustment. The one exception to this calculation is wetlands. Wetland BMPs have a flat fee of $1,000 per acre. So this calculation does not apply to wetlands. So I'm gonna talk about each component of this calculation. So first we have implementation costs. 
And those are the project costs that are eligible for funding. Uh, the funding list on the RELP website clearly outlines the items available for each BMP. And please note that some items that are eligible for funding will have a cost maximum associated with them. And we will talk about those later on in the presentation. There are two types of implementation costs. There is minimum requirements. So those are items or activities that a BMP project must include in order to be eligible for funding. And then we also have allowable enhancements for each BMP. And these are optional elements that are eligible for funding, but the applicant does not have to implement them if they don't want to. It is up to them. We do strongly encourage that quotes and invoices be submitted with your application to substantiate the expenses you are claiming. This helps to streamline our application review and approval process. Invoices and receipts will be required with the for the final report for all incurred expenses of the project. So make sure you hang on to those. Next, we have the opportunity cost. So this is the program's estimate of the profit that an applicant will forgo by implementing a practice change. Opportunity costs are not offered for each BMP. They are specific to the practice change. And the funding list clearly outlines which BMP gets an opportunity cost and how much is available. And this cost is automatically added into your total funding amount in your application form for you. So you don't have to fill anything out to get this. And we will look at each BMP later on and we will talk through the ones that have an opportunity cost. Last in the calculation, we have an impact adjustment. This is a per acre payment that is adjusted up based on different impacts of your projects. We're looking at factors like carbon sequestration capacity, the number of livestock, the number of acres, the improvement of water quality and biodiversity, and the overall degree of practice change over the three-year land use agreement compared to current practice. This impact adjustment is based off of the implementation cost total and could be up to 15% more but it could be less depending again on the determined impact of the project. One thing to note is that in the application form, the applicant will need to select that they want their project uh, looked at for the impact adjustment and they want it to be included in their funding amount in order to receive that. So now we're going to jump into the funding categories and BMPs. So we have four different funding categories. We have pasture management, cropland conversion, tree establishment, and wetlands. And so under pasture management, we have riparian area management, rotational grazing, adding legumes to existing forage stands, and targeted grazing for invasive plant biocontrol. Cropland conversion, we have annual cropland conversion, and that is to native or tame forages. We have establishment of perennial forages in strips, grass waterways, or saline areas, and intercropping. Under tree establishment, 
we have the option of shelter belts, eco buffers, and pollinator strips. And under wetlands, we have wetland restoration or construction. So I'm going to go over each of the BMPs in more detail. Uh, I strongly encourage everyone to look at the funding list on the RELP website as it has more details than I have in this presentation. So the way this is set up in the funding list for each BMP, there in this table on the left-hand column will be the description of the BMP. The right-hand column will show the implementation costs that are eligible, so it will show the minimum requirements and the allowable enhancements. And then at the bottom of each BMP, there is the cost calculation, um, so I will read through that as we go along. So for riparian area management, I'm not going to go through the whole description, but the main thing to keep in mind is that we are looking for incremental improvement over current management. We are not going to be prescriptive in what has to be done or certain sizes of areas or fencing or anything like that, but you have to be able to show you're improving over current practice. Note that new water developments will not be covered. We are still offering the water program under sustainable cap, and that program covers new water developments. So please go to that program if that's something you need. For riparian area management, there is a list of six different eligible costs. For this BMP, to meet the minimum requirement, your project just must include one of the items in the list. So I'm going to read through the list offered. So for, again, riparian areas, we're offering fencing for controlled access or exclusion, the purchase and planting of native trees, shrubs, or non-invasive introduced species of grass and legumes, seed and seeding operation, off-site watering systems, accredited technical support that is from professional agrologists or certified crop advisors only, and water course crossings. So again, for this BMP, you have to choose at least one item to implement. And then for the allowable enhancements, you can choose to do any of the other additional items on the list. So for this BMP, an applicant could do one activity or could, they could do all six, it's up to them. The cost determination for riparian areas is the implementation cost plus the impact adjustment. There is no opportunity cost for this BMP. Next, we have rotational grazing. Again, this must show incremental improvement over current practice and Similarly, new water developments will not be covered. Please go to the water program for those items. So for this BMP, there is a minimum requirement specified that is cross fencing. And then for allowable enhancements, we have offsite watering systems, accredited technical support, and water course crossings. The cost determination is similar to the riparian area. It is implementation costs plus impact adjustment. Next, we have adding legumes to existing forage stands. The minimum requirements are legume seed, inoculant, and seeding costs if rejuvenating a pasture. And for allowable enhancements, we have accredited technical support. The cost determination is implementation costs plus the impact adjustment. 
Last, under pasture management, we have targeted grazing for invasive plant biocontrol. This is, again, a list of items where for the minimum requirement, the project must choose one from the list. So the list includes grazing service fees for contracting a targeted grazier, fencing, which could include cross fencing and permanent fencing, biocontrol for weeds, off-site watering systems, and accredited technical support. And then for allowable enhancements, you could choose any other item from the list. Please note that for this BMP, if you own your own livestock for targeted grazing, you cannot apply for grazing fees. The cost determination for this BMP is the implementation costs plus the impact adjustment. We're moving into the cropland conversion category now. The first BMP is the annual cropland conversion to native forages or tame forages. The minimum requirement includes forage seed and seeding costs. Allowable enhancements include perimeter fencing, egg lime or equivalents, soil testing, offsite watering systems, and accredited technical support. Note that if you choose to apply for egg lime or equivalents, you must do soil testing. So there are two different cost determinations for this BMP. So if converting annual cropland to native forages, the calculation is implementation costs plus a $200 per acre opportunity cost plus the impact adjustment. The reason there's an opportunity cost for converting to native forages is to allow for the increased cost and risk associated with establishment of those native species. The cost determination for cropland conversion to tame forages is implementation costs plus the impact adjustment. Next, we have the establishment of perennial forages in water runs, saline areas, or saline recharge zones. Minimum requirement is forage seed and seeding costs. Allowable enhancements is egg lime or equivalents. Soil testing, which again is a requirement if you're requesting funding for egg lime, and accredited technical support. The cost determination for this BMP is implementation costs plus a $200 per acre opportunity cost, plus the impact adjustment. And this is for establishing these perennial forages in these areas and annual cropland. Next up, we have intercropping. This has two different options. First option is interplanting two annual crops at the same time. One of them must be a pulse. Both crops have to be taken to harvest, but harvest could mean different things. You could be harvesting for seed, grazing the field, or cutting for silage. The second option is a cover crop cocktail of three or more annual crops planted together, and that must include one pulse or legume. For the minimum requirements, we have the pulse seed, legume seed, or other annual crop seed for cover crop cocktails, 
and the seeding costs. Allowable enhancements include off-site watering systems, perimeter fencing, and accredited technical support. The cost determination is the implementation costs plus the impact adjustment. I will mention that on intercropping, as route projects are for three years, you do not have to plant the same field every year. You could choose to plant a different field to intercropping or the cover cocktail each year. You just need to make sure you detail that in your application form of what you will be planting on what location. And we're moving into the tree establishment BMPs now. First up, we have the establishment of shelter belts and eco buffers. Please note that this BMP covers creation of shelter belts and eco buffers only. It does not cover costs for rejuvenating an existing shelter belt or eco buffer. Minimum requirements include first year establishment costs such as site preparation and planting and the purchase of trees and shrubs. Allowable enhancements include wood and plastic mulch, irrigation system components, soil and water testing, first year fencing expenses for the purpose of excluding livestock, and accredited technical support. For this BMP, if you are converting cropland, the cost determination is implementation costs plus a $200 per acre opportunity cost plus the impact adjustment. If you are converting forages, the cost determination is the implementation costs plus a $100 per acre opportunity cost plus the impact adjustment. Next, we have establishment of pollinator strips. Note that the planting must include more than one species. Annual flowering commodity crops such as canola are not eligible. And this is eligible for acres of existing cropland and margins, not pasture or rotational grazing land. Minimum requirements include first year establishment costs such as site prep and planting, and the purchase of trees, shrubs, grass, or wildflower seed. Allowable enhancements include wood and plastic mulch, irrigation system components, soil and water testing, and accredited technical support. If you're establishing a pollinator strip on cropland, the cost determination is implementation costs plus a $200 per acre opportunity cost plus the impact adjustment. And if converting forages, it is the implementation costs plus a $100 per acre opportunity cost plus the impact adjustment. Last on our BMPs, we have wetlands. This is for restoration or construction of a new wetland. Funding is available to landowners participating in the wetland replacement program, and all grants will be subject to WRP terms and conditions. A completion port from WRP will be required with your application showing the number of acres and the date of completion. Wetland projects are not eligible on Crown land. You can apply on municipal or county land if it is leased for agricultural production and have a valid lease agreement. 
As I mentioned earlier, the cost determination for wetlands is a flat rate payment of $1,000 per acre. On this slide, we have the table for items that have cost maximum. I will read through each line. So for accredited technical support, which is an option for each BMP, the cost maximum is up to $2,000 per new BMP. For ag lime or equivalents, the cost maximum is up to $200 per acre. That includes product, equipment, and labor and is a one-time payment. Fencing, we have two different cost maximums. For barbed or page wire fencing, it is $10 per meter. That includes materials and installation. And for electric fencing, the cost maximum is $5 per meter. Again, that includes materials and installation. Grazing service fees, the cost maximum is $6,000. That is per new BMP. And again, that is for a contracted grazer only. It is not applicable if you are using your own livestock. Seeding operations, we offer $30 per acre, and that includes for equipment and labor. Soil testing, the maximum is $200 per quarter section, and that includes sampling and analysis. And again, that is required if you are requesting funding for the egg lime or equivalent option. For trees, we pay $5 per tree or shrub, and that includes seedlings and labor. And for the grass or wildflower seed offered under pollinator strips, the cost maximum is $60 per acre, and that includes seed and labor. And then at the bottom of this table, there is the description of the impact adjustment that we went over earlier. RELF will provide funding for some materials on hand. So we will provide funding for fencing materials and seed if it is on hand. For fencing materials, this is for raw components only. It cannot be an existing constructed fence. For seed on hand, we do encourage receipts if possible. If you do not have receipts, the current market price can be used to estimate the expense. Materials on hand that do not qualify for funding include egg lime or equivalent materials and offsite watering systems. Note that a claim for materials on hand may trigger an initial inspection to confirm materials prior to application approval. I'm going to talk about applications over the next few slides. So multiple BMP projects can be applied for in the same application, and we would actually encourage that. That does make the application review process a bit easier. All expenses and activities need to be implemented by the end of the application year. It's important to plan your budget to cover expenses for the full three-year term. So for example, if you are going to do the intercropping BMP, you will need to seed three years. Make sure you are claiming for a three-year supply of seed in your budget. It is also critical in your application to have an accurate acre estimate for each of your BMP project that you are applying for. 
You can use online tools like GeoDiscover Alberta and Google Earth to create aerial maps. Please make sure on the maps that acres are clearly labeled and that you are clearly outlining where different items are being implemented and how that relates to the BMP you're applying for. I have an example of an aerial map here. So hopefully you can see this entire slide. So on the left is the field. It's being applied for uh, the conversion to forages, and they're also going to implement rotational grazing. So you can see on the left, there's different colors that have been used to show the different items being implemented. On the right, there's a text box that's been inserted with a description of the project. And then it also outlines what each color is representing in the picture and the details that go along with that item. So this is the type of maps that we would like to see. It makes it easy for us to understand what the project is going to be and how it is going to be set up. So while applications are retroactive to the start of the intake year for RELP, keep in mind that funding is not guaranteed until an application has been approved. Any applications that are missing information, the applicant will be notified and processing and approval of that application will not proceed until all the information that's missing is received. For any projects that take place on public land, either partially or fully, you will need to get approval from a provincial rangeland agrologist, and you will need to note their name on your application form. Note that the wetland BMP has a separate application form. So if you're applying for that BMP, make sure you are selecting the correct application form on the RELF website. Part of the application review will include identifying projects for site inspections. Project verification may involve virtual verifications or in-person on-site visits to confirm that activities have been implemented as they were described in the application. Project verifications may occur at any time within the three-year project term and may involve more than one inspection. The final report will require confirmation the project has been maintained for the three-year term. And if a year-end inspection shows a project has not been maintained through to the three-year end date, the final 50% of funding will not be paid. So I'm going to talk about stacking with other programs. So RELP funding cannot be stacked with any other government programs, and that includes federal, provincial, or municipal programs. RELP can also not be stacked with ALICE, that is because their agreements include the rights to carbon credits from the project, which makes it ineligible for RELP. The one exception to stacking is for wetlands. Wetland projects that were completed under WRP, where a landowner did receive payment, are still eligible for RELP funding. Note that projects completed under WRP must have been completed within the same year as the RELP application was submitted. 
And last but not least, we have the program resources here. These are excellent resources to get more information. At the top, I have the Sustainable CAP website. And from this website, there are links to all of our programs, including RELP, as well as an option to subscribe for updates. So if there are updates made to any programs offered under Sustainable CAP, uh, a subscriber would get an email letting them know. We also have a website dedicated to RELP. The website includes a lot more details. It has the full funding list and the cost maximum table. It has the program terms and conditions, all of the application forms, and a quick one-page fact sheet if you need to um, remind yourself about any of the eligibility requirements and funding offered. We also have a program email set up. That email address is relp, so R-A-L-P, at gov.ab.ca. If you have any questions about the program or a particular project, or you're not sure if an expense is eligible, that is the best resource to send in your questions. We also encourage feedback. So if there's something that we don't offer in the program that you think you would like to see, please send that in as well, as we will be reviewing the program at the end of each year to see if there are improvements we could make for further offerings. And then if you would prefer to phone someone with your questions, you can call the 310 farm number. So that is 310-3276. That takes me to the end of the presentation on RELP, and I would be happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much, Giselle, for coming in in the evening. I know that this is outside your hours, so we greatly appreciate the support you've given to do this for us. And as we who have been watching this broadcast have seen the slides, I think Amanda will tell you it'll be a podcast, so you're going to be uh, listening to it um, versus seeing slides and such, if I've got that right. And I'll leave it for Amanda to correct if not. Um, I've got one question before I get to the chat questions. Environmental farm plans. I, if I missed it, do we have to have an environmental farm plan, Giselle? You do, but you don't need it when you apply. So if you don't have an environmental farm plan completed, you can still apply. You will just need to complete one before the end of the three-year project term. So you do have time to get it done. Thank you very much. Um, now, I guess uh, I've got a few questions coming and I will share them with you Giselle asking for your support in answering, please. Um, Giselle, regulated tier backstop all voluntary carbon instruments. I guess regulated slash tier slash backstop all voluntary slash carbon instruments. I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure what they're asking, but any carbon credits, uh, even voluntary carbon credits, aren't eligible to be applied for if you are completing a RELP project. 
Not sure if that is getting at what they're asking, but. So Graham, if you want to expand on that question, you can raise your hand and unmute uh, so we can get a little bit more clarification. Uh, briefly, please, yes. My question was, uh, all offsets, including EGNSs, are ineligible on the parcel that takes the funding. So regulated tier backstop uh, conservation, um, cons grassland uh, uh, retention, and all of the other data management ones that are being bought or sold out there. Yes, all carbon credits are not eligible while you're under the project term for that specific piece of land, but you're, of course, uh, encouraged to get them again after the end of the project term is over. Okay, and the next question, uh, what is RELP's program target for greenhouse gas reductions per year? Oh, that's an excellent question. I do not know the answer to that. I don't know if there is a target, um, but I will ask and I will send the answer back to the meeting facilitators. Okay. And does the offset disqualification include ecological goods and services? Do so do you mean there's mark there's outside markets that pay for that? Because that's sort of what RELP is set up um, for, right? Because we're offering BMPs that create those ecological goods and services. So things like carbon sequestration or improved water quality. And that's partly what the program is funding. So are, are they talking about outside markets? Graham, do you wanna ask that? Yes, so in the case of your um, um, strips and add biodiversity, there is a move afoot for a biodiversity index to be sold into the marketplace. Western stock growers are, are uh, ch uh, champion it. So would that also then uh, Ralph funding if uh, for that opportunity? That's an excellent question. Did you say it's being created right now or it's already in place? Yep. No, Western stock growers are trying to package it and they've got an aggregator already uh, dealing with the biodiversity index. So if you have a biodiversity uh, BMP that you're trying to fund uh, with the, in your definition of what you're retaining, uh, would the AGS also include that as a moratorium? That's another excellent question. I, I don't think, uh, I know I wasn't aware of that biodiversity index, so I will have to ask about that as well. All right. We'll move to the next question. What is the cost share, Giselle, producer to grant program? That's a good question. Sorry, just give me one second. I'm just writing down some notes for the previous question. You bet. Sorry about that. Oh, no. Can't write quite as fast as I used to. I'm used to typing now. Okay, um, so RELP isn't a traditional cost share program. So for each BMP, there's the list of implementation costs. 
Maybe I'll just scroll up to a slide with a BMP on it. So the way the program is set up is that if you choose a project, the eligible costs associated with that BNP, if you claim expenses uh, for any of those eligible costs, the intention would be to cover those costs. Now, keep in mind, there are items that someone might do that aren't listed. So for example, herbicide application is not covered for any of the BNPs. And also keep in mind, again, that some of the implementation costs that are eligible do have cost maximums. So for example, if you are putting in fencing, we would not pay above that maximum cost of $10 per meter for barbed and page wire fencing or $5 per meter for electric fencing. Um, and some of these cost maximums are intended to cover costs of labor as well. So hopefully that still covers most costs, but it is not a cost share. So you would fill out your application form with your expected expenses, and we would cover eligible expenses, again, up to a cost maximum for certain items. Thank you, Giselle. Question, why can't carbon credits be claimed for the duration of the program? So RELP projects, their carbon offsets are already being counted um, by the federal government for their program. So if someone were to claim carbon credits, it's getting duplicated, like the count of the, of the offsets. So that is why they don't want duplication of, of carbon offset records. And that is only during the duration of the program, correct, Giselle? Yes. Once your three-year project agreement is over, you can collect carbon credits again. Thank you. Um, another question. In one of the early slides, it said a producer must implement the BMP activity within the first year. So in the example you gave with an aerial photo, does the producer have to perimeter fence cross fence, plant trees, and install the water system all between now and November, 2023. So yes, a producer, whatever they're applying for in their project would need to have their activities implemented by the end of the year they're applying in. I will admit the aerial map example I have is probably quite ambitious. I just wanted to have an example that showed multiple projects so that we could show how it, you know, if you use different colors for different items, it's easier for us to see what's, what's happening. But yes, if somebody chose to do all three of those things, they would need to have them implemented by the end of year one. Or I presume Giselle, they could apply this year for some of those items and then apply next year for some more of those items, taking that stepwise approach? Yes, if they know they aren't going to be able to implement everything this year, it might be a better option to apply for the projects you can implement this year. 
and then apply next year if there are other projects that you need to get started earlier or whatever reason, and you can't start until next spring. Okay, um, thank you. When completing the application in regards to the intercropping, you mentioned to budget for all three years of expenses, correct? Yes, yes, because we realize for projects like intercropping, you if you're if you're planting like a pulse and annuals you're going to have to seed each year for three years and we will cover the cost of the seed for each of those three years so it's important when you're filling out your application we're going to uh, calculate the funding amount based on what you've put in your application so if you forget to put in expenses for the second and third year of seeding for example you can't ask for more money later. So make sure if your project is going to include expenses like seed costs each year for that, um, that project, make sure that you're budgeting for the entire amount you expect to spend. And it's able to do within the form showing that it is in year two and year three. Is that correct? Yeah, so in the form you would put in your description, I'm going to intercrop and I'll be planting each year these, um, these types of seed. And then in the budget table, you would select seed as your cost and you would put a brief description like uh, peas, for example, at X rate per acre times three years like the total kilograms of seed you're going to need to seed for the three years, and then you would put in your cost for that. Thank you. Um, next question. What is the reimbursement process and what do the reporting requirements look like? So the reimbursement process, I'm assuming they're talking about the funding. So. Once your application is approved, the total funding amount that's being offered is going to be paid in two payments. So you would get 50% of the total amount paid after your application is approved. And then you would get the second 50% paid at the end of the three-year project term. Um, for, the, for the reporting, so I, don't know what the actual report looks like, but you will need to provide confirmation. And that could be in the form of like invoices and receipts or maybe digital photos showing that you've maintained your project um, for the three-year term. Does that answer the question? Monica, did you have any further comment to make to, for clarification for yourself? Yeah, I was mainly just wondering, I, when I was reading the terms and conditions a few weeks ago, I just kind of briefly read through it. And there was something about reporting on financials for three years on the BMP. And I didn't read it in detail, but I was just curious about that. Giselle? Yeah, I'm just, sorry, I'm just skimming the terms and conditions. I have them in front of me. 
And if people don't know, when you do take a photo with your phone, if you have the location on, it does give you the, the location and the time and everything. So a phone picture is quite uh, inclusive in the information it would provide Giselle and the review team when they look at that digital picture, as long as the location is on on the phone when it's done so. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the terms and conditions here. Um, in the reporting section, it does mention that in the final report, you need to include documentation that establishes uh, the continued implementation of the BMP activity on the eligible lands throughout the term. Examples of acceptable documentation include invoices, receipts, and site photos. Uh, you need to include a narrative describing how each activity changed your practice management. Information for the performance measures specific to each BMP type. Any other documentation requested by the minister and a copy of the valid and current EFP, if not submitted as part of the application. Let's see. I can keep looking. Uh, you mentioned that there was uh, something mentioned about financials. So can I get back to you on that question? Any of the questions? Yes. Um, the responses will be directed back to the uh, site so people can get the full answer. Um, Giselle will do that and Amanda will put it up on the site. Next question. Any idea what the turnaround time will be for approval of applications? So it's hard to give a firm timeline right now, just because this is a new program. And so we are also reviewing these types of applications for the first time. We are targeting five weeks, um, but we will process applications as soon as possible when we receive them. Um, and I will mention applications are retroactive. So if you do have to do some things or buy some things as long as it's happening after April 3rd. Um, if your application's approved, you would get reimbursed for those activities. Although, of course, we can't guarantee approval of an application. Thank you, Giselle. Um, next question. Can an application for cropland conversion to tame pasture be made in year two or year three, as long as it is seeded in the year it is applied for? So all of the RELT projects have to be three-year terms. So you certainly aren't obligated to apply this year. Um, if you're going to convert the cropland to tame forages next year, you could apply during the intake cycle in 2024, and then you would have to maintain it for three years, um, starting from the date you applied. Okay, does that answer the question, Ian? Yeah, it does. Yeah, thank you. 
Okay, thank you. And um, question: Why is a why is equipment purchases not funded? Not everyone has access to the equipment required. So, the objective of RELP is to implement BMPs that create those ecological goods and services. We do have some other programs. Um, so it, I, it depends on the type of equipment you're referring to. We do have a farm technology program that covers some equipment, although not large farm machinery. Um, and we have an efficient grain dryer program. And then for RELP, if you don't have the equipment, um, some of these costs are intended to cover seeding operations. For example, the $30 per acre is intended to cover the cost of either using your own equipment and labor or using custom um, operations. Okay, next question. Under cropland conversion to tame forages, does a field need to have been out of forages for a certain length of time to be eligible? For example, under off-cap, the fields needed, and that was in the first year, actually, and not in the second of off-cap, by the way. So I'm answering a question here. Um, under off-cap, the field needed to have been in for, not been in forages for the past 10 years. So that was only in the 20 one twenty or 22 uh, to March 23, where it had to be 10 years in March 23 um, to 24, it didn't have to be 10 years. So I'm talking out of school. So can you please, Giselle, does the forage have to have a certain length of time out before seeding back down to be eligible? So as far as I'm aware for RELP, no. So the main thing to remember for all the BMPs is that you have to show incremental improvement over current practice. So if you are currently uh, have a field that's an annual crop, um, and maybe it was tame forages last year, but you took it out, you seeded wheat this year, you could apply to convert it to tame forages next year because you are converting from annual crops to forages. And I will double check, but I am certain that we don't have a minimum time period. A field has to be out of forages to be eligible. Okay. Um, if applying for cocktail cover crops, are all of the different seeds covered or just the legumes? Uh, nope. So I'll just scroll up here. So for cover crop cocktails, we cover the cost of pulse, legume, and other annual crop seed. Although we will not cover the cost of cereals or oil seed crops. Okay, thank you. And um, in the chat, Graham has put forward made with a context cam. And he's got a picture in there. As you will see, the picture has given detailed information about the site it was taken from. In so doing, ends up being very inclusive for review of what has been done in that picture. 
and that supports the comment about supporting documents or question, uh, picture. Okay, uh, excellent. Thank you, Graham. Okay, question. If converting cropland to tame forages, is there a difference in application approval if land is intended to be used for hay production or for grazing? I don't think we have any stipulations on that. Let me just have a quick look here. Nope, I don't. Uh, I don't think we have any requirements on what the intended use is, whether it's for haying or for or for grazing. And I don't believe it also has amount of legume as the previous programs people had when it's into a perennial stand for the first time. Is that correct, Giselle? Do you mean for the adding legumes to forage stands, BMP? That being a separate one. Oh, sorry. And presuming that your conversion to native for tame forage from cropland, there is no provision for dictating it be a portion of legume or such. Is that correct? That is correct. So we are not going to prescribe for either converting to forages or adding legumes to forage stands. We will not be prescribing the percentage of legumes um, that need to be included. Again, <clears throat> in your application, you will need to describe current practice and you will need to explain how what you're planning to do is going to show improvement over the current practice, but we do not have specific thresholds. Okay. Oh, hi, Wes. Wes has got a question. In riparian area management, would solar powered watering bowls for cattle be covered by the grant? Yes. As long as that's from an existing water source. Again, just as a reminder, new water developments and their offsite waters are covered under the water program. But if it is off an existing water source, then yes. To that water source or distribution further, is that correct? Yeah, so your offsite water has to be connected to something. Um, so we're going to cover offsite waters and their components, so long as they're pulling from an existing water source. So what I mean by that is that if you're building a new dugout, then those offsite waters would be covered by the water program. But if you have an existing dugout that you've had for say five years, um, then we would cover the offsite water because it's an existing water source. Does that make sense? I hope that's not too confusing. Wes, did that answer your question? Hopefully so, Wes. Um, okay, I, uh, okay, we've got one more in here. Planting a corn crop underseeded with soybeans, does it qualify as intercropping? I 
don't see why not. Soybeans being a pulse, of course, too. Yeah, we don't have any restrictions on annual crops for intercropping. So I would say, yes, that would qualify. Okay, thank you. For the rotational grazing BMP, it doesn't list water lines under the allowable enhancement. Would this be an allowable expense? Yes, so I did cut down on the words um, on these slides. So the funding list does have more details. I just didn't want these slides to be too wordy. But so for off-site watering systems, RELP will fund all components. Again, if they are protect protecting an existing water source, and that includes waterers and pipelines. But reimbursement is for materials only, not installation. Thank you. Um, Giselle was nice enough to uh, realize that this was going to be stored as a podcast. So she's read through slides and everything. And as she commented, there is more information on the site. So she read through the slides for specific allowance so that you would be able to know what she was talking about without seeing. But the reality is, as she also said, there is much more on that RELP site for you to go through and get further information or to contact them as well. Okay, so another question, more water questions from Alex. Would water pipelines entire trough installation from an existing well qualify? Solar pumping would need, would be needed too. Yes, so all the components, again, from the existing well would be covered. But again, that's for materials only, not labor to install them. For materials and if you were hiring excavation or such to do so? We will not reimburse excavation. So we're only covering for the watering, the offsite water components. Okay. Alex, is that answer what you were looking for? Okay, hopefully yes. Um, another question, for future reference regarding intercropping, I think you are overemphasizing the role of legumes. The magic is the interplay of the two or three species. The oat, cereal, or flax broadleaf is equally important and funding of those seeds should be considered. So this is an opinion. Okay. And we, as I mentioned before, we do welcome feedback. Um, we know that this isn't necessarily a perfect program. So um, I'm going to make a note of that because we are keeping uh, a record of feedback we're receiving to review for next year's program. Um, and if you do have anything like that excellent comment about intercropping, um, please feel free to send that type of feedback to the RELP email so that we can collect it and take it into consideration when we do our review. And it makes sense. I think that um, the thought of legumes being um, 
directly related to nitrogen production naturally is one thing that comes forward first to mind and uh, uh, the lesser need of a nitrogen fertilizer product or such. Okay, Alex has said yes, that answered his question. Um, any other questions that aren't, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> is there a big pool of money for this program or, or is all the money gonna be gone after this year? So RELP is being offered for the full length of sustainable cap. So we do have for sure three years that we will take in projects and there is funding intended to be available for all three years. And again, if you didn't apply until 2025, say, that would still be for a three-year project term. So we do intend to have funding when we are taking in applications over the next three years. Okay, very interesting, okay. Any other questions, or should I be passing this back to Ed to wrap it up? Looks like we've gone through all the questions. Thank you, Grant. Okay, I'll turn it over to Ed and, or Amanda as you need be. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, um, Giselle and Grant. I think this has been very informative and gives some indication of what some programs are available to uh, uh, help the forage industry people and the forage crops. Uh, as um, was stated earlier, this is the first of a series of, uh, of uh, webinars and podcasts we're going to be doing. This podcast will be available as well to uh, uh, in a couple of days to review again if anybody has any questions. But uh, we're probably going to be doing this on, I think, the uh, uh, a Tuesday of each month. So keep in, keep looking for more of these, and uh, we're probably going to get some more uh, scientific research uh, results uh, on some of the upcoming podcasts. Uh, thanks again for Amanda for uh, doing the uh, legwork behind this and putting this together. Thanks to Grant for moderating, and thanks Giselle for your participation, and thanks for everybody that came out. And we hope to see you next month at the uh, next uh, uh, webinar. Thank you very much. This is the Alberta Forage Industry Network Sustainable Forage webinar and podcast. We thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.